You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Absolutely. On the Sunday is the buffet day, and okay. you've got to go on a Sunday night. I mean, it's there, there's no other way to explain it. So. Okay, Sunday uh, sometime in Kenora, Saskatchewan, we're going to have to meet up. Maybe that's where the next live To and Out will take place. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's yeah. Grey Cup B, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra joining me, Adam Stewart of the Canadian Football Countdown, a full-time podcaster now. How are you liking the CFL podcast world, buddy? You know, it's a, it's an interesting world. I mean, uh, a lot more arguments with people over on Twitter and a lot more uh, fights with a few guys, but you know what? And also they told me I couldn't be Homer of all Homer and say all the stuff about Saskatchewan. And especially when I'm the only guy that's a Saskatchewan fan and they're all Bomber fans. So they don't, they don't like that for some reason. I'm not sure why, but uh, no, I'm enjoying it so far, but don't forget where I originally got my first start as a, as a podcaster was right here. So hey, it's probably the best year not to be the ultimate rider Homer, because there's a lot to defend so far this season. <laughs> Your, your neck of the woods, though, kind of the, the Theodore, Saskatchewan area, just, is it north of you? Kenora? The chi- the legendary Wong's Cafe for Chinese food? And the bad part is right now, I'm cutting hay only about, like, halfway between Kenora and Theodore. So, like, it's so easy to run up to Kenora and, you know, pick up Chinese food. <laughs> Okay, so I was in your neck of the woods last weekend. My parents celebrating a 50th anniversary. They close at 8.30, and it was about 7.45, and I'm looking at the clock. Can I make the run to Kenora? I didn't, so I guess that's another another excuse to get back to your neck of the woods. Do, do they do a buffet there? That's an important question. Absolutely. On the Sunday is the buffet day, and okay. you've got to go on a Sunday night. I mean, it's there, there's no other way to explain it. So, Okay, Sunday uh, sometime in Kenora, Saskatchewan, we're going to have to meet up. Maybe that's where the next live to and out will take place. <laughs> That'd be a great time. This episode of To and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, week seven starts with a doubleheader on Thursday night as the Calgary Stampeders are on by. Here we go. The Montreal Alouettes, two and a half point favorites over the Ottawa Red Blacks with the over under set at 48. We saw Daddy Machocha on the sideline last week. 
I mean, one of the problems that has been plaguing the Alouettes for the last few years has been discipline. It's been penalty yards. And they gave up almost 120 yards to Kenny Lawler alone. So (laughs) how are the Owls going to get that discipline under control? It has to be a, a key to this game for them. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. This is the reason you let go of Kahari Jones was essentially the first thing was discipline. And if uh, they are still not taking it under control of Danny Machocha, there is some real problems here in Montreal. I mean, let's face it. Uh, both the Alouettes and the Riders have been giving up just a pile of uh, uh, extra points or touchdowns just because of this. I mean, you're giving a team a first uh, a full f- uh, field, essentially, yeah. Just in one in one go here. So this has to stop for Montreal just as much as Saskatchewan. And it's been uh, it's been pass interferences uh, mainly with Montreal has been the issue. I think that probably uh, they've really got to sit their defensive uh, backs down and say, hey, look, make sure we're either double covering certain guys. And I mean, in Ottawa's case, you probably want to take a look at Jalen Acklin. I mean, he hasn't had the best of seasons yet, but he's a guy that can explode at any time. If that's the case, then Montreal just needs to make sure that they've got extra coverage on guys instead of grabbing and pulling a guy across and taking that undisciplined penalty, especially at key times in the game. Yeah, we talked about Montreal a lot. I was on the CFL this week and the Ticats Audio Network this past Monday, and I I mentioned that the loss of William Standback has almost set the team back. They, they haven't really been able to run the ball much with whether it's Walter Fletcher or Jeshrin Antwi. Antwi listed as the starter on the depth chart, but we all know how uh, those things carry water, <laughs> kind of like a paper bag. So <laughs> we'll see who gets most of the carries this week for Montreal. And look, Machocha, he did take over during the bye week, but the game flow, the management... It was not. It was not that smooth last week against Edmonton. You remember they took a too many men penalty in the second half. They didn't have their packages ready. Part of me, I, I really think that the players were a fan of Kahari Jones as well. And I, I know the the business of pro sports is an ugly one. It'll be interesting to see how the Alouette players respond to that coaching change going forward. Adarius Pickett is back. Playing linebacker this week. So Tyrell Richards, the rookie, the first overall pick, started at uh, middle linebacker last week. He moves over to Will as Micah Awe is going to be in the middle. It's a pretty good linebacking core. We will say that. So the Red Blacks, they're going to have their hands full trying to get that running game going with William Powell. Although that has to, I think, be a focus for them. Caleb Evans, he's only 24 years old. He's getting another start, it looks like, at quarterback. The Red Blacks have said maybe Arbuckle and Evans will see time, but it is essential that they get William Powell the rock, at least more than he was getting it into Saskatchewan. You remember that, right? <laughs> no. no, absolutely. I mean, I can't believe they haven't used William. Well, I came back about – he was in the yeah. beginning, right? But, I mean, yeah, they haven't used uh, William Powell pretty much at all uh, this whole year yet. And, I mean, that's a big piece for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. If they want to have success, uh, you got to run the ball in this league a little bit. And you get those extra points uh, and you get those extra yards. 
uh, just to take a little bit of pressure off of a quarterback that, you know, just doesn't have a whole lot of uh, experience with, with that team right now. If it's uh, Nick Arbuckle or even if it's Caleb Evans, I mean, he was here last year, but he's still not getting those starter reps usually when he does. So that means that your running backs really need to focus up and you need to have that run game to help uh, break open the, the game. I mean, it does look like Patrick Levels could play for the Red Blacks. Uh, I guess that would be him playing his old team in Montreal. I, I, some situations happening with Montreal, too. Avery, Avery Ellis uh, for Montreal playing his old team in Ottawa. Dom Davis in uh, Montreal playing his old team in Ottawa. By the way, four rushing touchdowns on the year. He had two last week. I don't have the stones to put a backup quarterback in on my fantasy roster. But if you did and they got you two uh, rushing touchdowns, you would be laughing your way to the bank. Uh, Last week, it looked like Caleb Evans had quite the uh, chemistry going with Jalen Acklin. He had his biggest, well, as far as uh, touchdowns go, it was his first touchdown of the year. Six catches, 118 yards. He did have six catches for 143 against Winnipeg in week one. So it looks like he's the number one guy in that offense in Ottawa. So they're going to need to get him going. And I, I don't know. I have faith here. The Ottawa defense looked good against Hamilton, especially in the second half. Really shut them down. And Hamilton, I think, got away with some of the things that made them successful in the first half. That's been kind of the theme of the season for Hamilton so far. But I think at home, Ottawa's defense is going to give Trevor Harris and the Alouettes some fits. They're going to have their hands full here. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, let's face it. I think that Trevor Harris, again, as much as he's done pretty good this year for the Montreal Alouettes, he is a guy that's not as mobile of a quarterback as the, uh, well, now apparent backup in Montreal and Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, that could really pay a, uh, with an Ottawa defense that likes moving around and making different looks. I think that this could be a real issue for Montreal going into this game. And especially, like you said earlier, no Williams stand back and they won't be there for a long time. And that means either you've got to have Walter Fletcher or you've got to have, uh, uh, Montreal's other uh, uh, running back, who's their starter, uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Juan Antwi, you got to have either one of them get going a little bit because otherwise it could be a long night for the Montreal offense. Well, it sounds funny. I mean, <laughs> one in nine are the combined records for these teams. So someone is going to be desperate to win. Uh, Vernon Adams, not yet traded. <laughs> well, I don't know. Last week, that that tweet services online from Victor Kui of the Edmonton Elks saying that uh, a Vernon Adams trade was was on the agenda of discussion with Gary Stern and the Alouettes. Nothing has come yet. We'll see what comes out of that. I mean, if Montreal keeps losing, don't they have to go back to VA? You know, I don't think so, honestly, because they do have Dom Davis there. Uh, it seems like op- they're just not fans of VA, or at least yeah. Machocha isn't. 
Well, that's what I'm looking at. And I don't think maybe it's because VA wasn't his guy or something along those lines. Uh, it seems like he isn't very interested in putting out VA. And let's face it, the longer the Alouettes are seeming to wait here, it seems like there's maybe more and more suitors coming available for VA as well. Uh, let's face it, it's not just Edmonton anymore, possibly looking for a quarterback uh, or for some help, uh, even in depth. Uh, cough, cough, another team that I know of. <laughs> hey, look. We saw Hamilton do it last week, the new rule where you can have two quarterbacks on the field. Yeah. I think Vernon Adams is a beautiful option for for that. Like, he was almost going to switch to receiver with Hamilton a few years ago. The guy's an athlete. The guy can play. So, Montreal, Anthony Calvillo as the OC, I think they could use that to their advantage if they wanted to. Uh, there are going to be some players missing for Ottawa, including Abdel Kenna. Uh, he's not playing. Justin Howell, the safety, is not going to be playing. It looks like Antoine Pruneau is going to get uh, his start back this year. As for Montreal, they're going to be watching for linebacker Chris Ackie. He might not be playing this Thursday in the nation's capital. All right, second half of the Thursday night double doubleheader. The BC Lions home to the Tie Cats, where the Lions are eight point favorites. Over under at fifty two. It feels like any game that BC's involved with, throw money down on the over. <laughs> that that might be the the safe bet this week. They are coming off the bye, just getting back from that loss to Winnipeg. It's all about limiting Nathan Rourke, and it sounds so dramatic. It sounds like putting too much pressure on the young quarterback. He's only played four games this year. Kind of the schedule's a bit of a mess. Uh, Actually, and the fact that an Eastern team is involved in a late-night Thursday game is kind of a wacky part of the schedule as well, but uh, I guess we'll leave it at that. How do the Ticats stop Nathan Rourke? It's To me, uh, I think what Winnipeg did was they kept their offense on the field, which meant Rourke was off of it. Hamilton somehow needs to have some sustained drives, which they just haven't been able to do much this year. You know, I was looking also at the Hamilton Tiger Cats defense. Their defensive line this year has not been good at all. I mean, nine sacks so far this season uh, just has not been very strong at all, uh, getting pressure over onto the quarterbacks. and Good at stopping the run, but not so much at pass rush so much. Yeah, true enough. And I mean, the problem is you've got Nathan Rourke, who's pretty much like a second back kind of running in the backfield. If that defensive line can get pressure on him, he's going to have all day and start throwing. Nathan Rourke can make the football, make the pass out, and he's got multiple targets to make it to. So to me, I think it's uh, somewhat what Winnipeg did last week as well, put pressure on the quarterback a bit. The BC offensive line has been better, but they aren't amazing yet. I think you have an opportunity there if you're Hamilton to try to at least put some pressure over on Nathan Rourke and see what happens. You know what? Hamilton's on a bit of a short week here. This happened in Toronto. Uh, Hamilton playing on Saturday. Now they got to go to Vancouver on the Thursday. Wow. Uh, it looks like they're still going to be without Simone Lawrence. Poppy White not playing. Kyle Sachs led the offensive lineman. Lamar Durant, Carriel Brooks remain injured as well. 
So they're in a tough spot going into BC Place, a rested team off the bye. Interesting note for the Ticats, Kahari Jones, now a consultant with the team. And it might, well, he didn't stay out of a job long. It might not benefit them this week. But think about the front office in Hamilton now. Of course, you've got the great coaches in Orlando Steinauer and Tommy Condell, but now uh, we have Ed Hervey there, who probably should be a GM in the CFL, probably will be a GM again in the CFL. And Kahari Jones is there as well. And Kahari brings some, I think, unique things to the table here especially considering that Montreal plays Hamilton next Thursday. The Ticats are going to be trying to use some of his knowledge going forward this season because the entire East Division still in the hunt, let's face it. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing also that's really nice about that I really like about this signing is Dane Evans has an extra voice to listen to him. Um, It could be that voice that they really need to have Kahari go and talk to Dane, explain, hey, here's what I'm seeing on the field. What are you seeing on the field? And if both work out real well, that's where they're going to eventually be able to build this up and have Dane Evans maybe maybe be able to avoid a sack all of a sudden or be able to make that little bit of a pass and sustain some of those drivers like you were just saying earlier. So if they can get some of that stuff going and Kahari can be kind of that uh, quarterback whisperer essentially, uh, he'd be a great pickup for the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, Danny Machocha didn't keep too much of the book of uh, Kahari Jones. <laughs> it's an interesting wrinkle here because of course we know about the coach's cap. And Hamilton's at the max of 11. Kari not listed as a coach. He's a consultant. I don't know what that means. Does that mean he he can only go for coffee with Dane Evans after practice? Or <laughs> I don't know exactly. I, I think uh, this is what they call the pre-coaches roster. Maybe. There you go. I like that. <laughs> I didn't say that too loud because I'm sure somebody in Edmonton might have just heard that. <laughs> hey, hey, Aaron Grimes is on the injured list, but he looks like he's coaching on the sidelines too. So maybe they're getting around it that way in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Delvin Bro for the BC Lions going to be playing his old team, the only team he's known in the CFL up until this point. The Lions, though, are going to be without Bo Lacumbo. Looks like he has had an elbow procedure. But, I mean, the, to me, one of the most exciting teams to watch in the Canadian Football League, it, it's just who's going to be the big receiver. Lucky Whitehead hasn't quite had the breakout yet. We know what he's capable of. And he has the talent, the speed, everything to do it. Is this going to be the one? Or is Dominic Rhymes going to continue having an amazing season so far? We knew he had talent. When he was in Ottawa, he made some circus catches. He's a great receiver. And last year in BC, some injury issues. But this year so far, Dominic Rhymes without Brian Burnham there. He has looked great. And then I haven't even mentioned uh, Keon Hatcher, who had a great game a few weeks ago. Josh Pearson had a long, I think, 60-yard touch. Like, look at all these options that BC has. They get everyone involved, and that's what makes them so tough to stop. 
And then not only that, in the backfield again, you've got James Butler ready to run a ball down your throat. And he's been doing that very well so far this season. Uh, if if uh, Nathan Rourke feels a little pressure, oh, well, have a fun with James Butler, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it, I mean, even when James Butler had to go out, uh, their fullback came in and absolutely was lighting it up. Yeah. So that BC Lions, the offensive part of it, is just been absolutely lights out so far this season. Uh, let's face it, I don't say, see anything changing here against the uh, Tie Cats, but hey, you never know, I guess. But uh, yeah, Battle of the Felines, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Lions. Dominic Rhymes through four games, 20 catches, 371 yards, f- oh, four touchdowns, and he leads the league with five receptions over 30 yards. There you go. That's Dom Rhymes through four games. What a great start to the season for him in Vancouver. <laughs> the Ticats are in tough going into the Lions den. All right. Friday night football. The Edmonton Elks are home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers where the Bombers are seven and a half point favorites over under set at 47 here. To me, this looks like an obvious one where the back to back champs are going to go into Edmonton and Edmonton's going to have a very, very tough time. But an interesting note from the Bombers. They announced an operating profit of $2.1 million in 2021. And to me, it kind of looks like Winnipeg. Back-to-back Grey Cups helps with that. Might be the flagship franchise in the CFL right now. I know, pretty hard to admit from our green and white hearts, but... The fact that they were able, <laughs> look at that, he, 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 we're on Zoom and he's got the coveted 7-Eleven Rough Rider Slurpee Cup. You could probably sell that on eBay for 50 bucks, but it's priceless to you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. This one here is going nowhere. <laughs> this, is, this one here will be a great cup and it will be on my, you will have to pry it out of some <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that they were able to pull that off in the pandemic shortened season, I mean, slow clap, standing ovation to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That is an incredible season for that franchise. Absolutely. And they're also paying for a stadium just as much as Saskatchewan is. Yeah. So, you know, Saskatchewan apparently lost $2.1 million earlier this season when they announced uh, for 2021. Yet the Winnipeg Blue Barbers must have found it laying around and took it in and seen how it went. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, all the kudos over to uh, 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 to Wade Miller and the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers front office. I mean, did an amazing job in the middle of a COVID pandemic, and you make yourself two million dollars. I mean, that that's absolutely impressive. Uh, like I say, I, what they're doing in Winnipeg is doing some very good stuff. And, uh, yeah, all the credit to him. Greg Ellingson leading the CFL in receiving yards right now. He does have two games on Dominic Rhymes, so I will uh, put that caveat into place. 34 catches, 518 yards, three touchdowns. The the Kolaris and Ellingson connection, I mean, he's halfway to 1,000 yards already. An off year with Edmonton last year. But now he's going back to Commonwealth Stadium, a, a place that he's played over the past couple of years. 
I I don't see the Kolaris and Ellingson connection really slowing down this week. He had seven second down conversions last week. <laughs> you you want to know who Kolaris is looking at when uh, they need to convert a first down? It's Greg Ellingson because Lord knows they can't run the ball. No. They <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a little bit of an understatement, Travis. <laughs> Anyways, no, uh, Greg Ellingson, you're right. It's just been absolutely dynamite this year. I don't know if he had a point to prove that I'm uh, I'm worth the three hundred thousand dollars you probably should have given me instead of to uh, Kenny Lawler. But uh, man, is he making a point uh, in be in Winnipeg right now? Um, and I mean, not only him, there's still some other pieces in there that are getting some big pieces as well. Uh, Dalton Schoen, where in the world did that guy come from? Yeah. I mean, Winnipeg is just, I don't know, who's doing their scouting for the receivers? But don't stop. You're doing a very good job of it. And uh, yeah, Craig Ellingson, I mean, let's face it, the guy there has just been unstoppable so far this year. Well, and who Edmonton's defense, well... I was going to say they have the worst or one of the worst pass defenses. They've given up 10 passing touchdowns, the most in the CFL. The opponent pass efficiency is 115.9, second worst in the CFL, given up 76.5 completion percentage, worst in the CFL, but... (laughs) they're giving up six yards a carry on the ground. They're giving up almost 140 yards a game on the ground. On the outside, it would look like this would be the game where Brady Oliveira could have a big game, but I don't know if I trust it yet. They just haven't really been able to move the ball much running. No, you know what? I think in all honesty, and Winnipeg fans, you ain't going to like hearing this. You gave up Andrew Harris one year too soon. Uh, Brady Oliveira has really done not very much. I know that Winnipeg fans are all screaming, hey, bring in Johnny Augustine. He'll be our savior. It's not working right now for you. And let's face it, it's partly to do with the offensive line. I mean, let's face it, when you lose a guy like Michael Couture in the uh, center, that messes with a whole lot of things, especially for run games. Uh, But what I'm looking at mostly is you're, you're not making holes the blocking has not been as great for uh, Zach Kalaros as it could be. And yeah, Brady Oliveira has not done very much for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers yet. But you're right. I mean, Edmonton is kind of terrible on the run uh, block. So if they, there is a game that Brady Oliveira needs to have a breakout game, it's this week. Or you ever hear the word trap game, Travis? Oh, whoa. <laughs> well, you know what? Edmonton's given up the most pass TDs. They've also given up the most rush TDs. It happens when in week one you give up 59 points against the Lions. So they've given up 12. Montreal's given up seven. Maybe it's a Drew Brown game. I don't know. The, the backup quarterback might come in and get a few vultures there. But Edmonton experiencing some injury issues as well. That is the rough part happening here. Kyle Oxley, (laughs) last week in that game against Montreal, it seemed like there were four or five times when he was laying on the field. Looks like he wasn't going to get up again. He'd get up and make another play, but that does mean that he's injured and he's not going to be playing this week with a a hamstring injury. It does look like they're going to be without linebacker Trey Watson. They're going to be without receiver Darrell Walker. 
They are banged up right now. Although we will see maybe the season debut of Deron Carter um, lining up, it looks like, in the defensive secondary. Although Jones has said we want to use him in multiple places. So I don't know if he's going to be returning kicks. But either way, I was going to call him number 89. I don't know what number Carter's going to be wearing. But he, uh, he might be shooting up for the Elks this week against Winnipeg. You know what? I bet you anything we'll see him throwing passes before the end of this year. No, I, uh, and, the, and the funny part is Travis isn't laughing because he knows that Chris Jones might just do that. <laughs> I would not be shocked if uh, we see Deron Carter making a, making a throw or two. Uh, it looks like linebacker Niles Morgan could be making his season debut. I'm interested to see what they're going to be doing at running back this week. Sherman Beatty has been moved to the practice roster, and the Elks have signed Malik Irons, the Canadian running back that was released by the Hamilton Tiger Cats a couple weeks ago. Maybe they go all Canadian with the running game this week with Ante milanovic Litre and Malik Irons. Hey, uh, it's a gamble. I've got Irons in my lineup right now we've seen teams they have been able to run on winnipeg more than years past not that much but they're they're giving up over five yards of carry on the ground they haven't given up a rushing touchdown yet andrew harris did have some success against winnipeg but that being said edmonton's had struggled stopping the rush they've been struggling kind of rushing the ball themselves. Second worst in the CFL with 77.2 yards a game. That is only better than the Hamilton Tiger Cats who are averaging under 65 yards a game. So maybe maybe the running game's not really that much of a focus, but to support the carousel of quarterbacks there, you have to think they'd want to try to run the ball a bit. Absolutely. Even some stunt plays. I mean, we haven't seen a wildcat all season. Maybe this is the point where Malik Irons just gets the ball in his hand and goes for it because, let's face it, the the passing game has not, well, there hasn't been very much of a passing game um, for the most part in Edmonton all season. I mean, yes, Manny Arsenal has had a reasonably good season. Kenny Lawler's had a reasonably good season, but eventually it comes down to W's and L's and Right now, I think that's been a bad part for Edmonton is just, let's face it, they have no immediate starting quarterback on the field. I mean, Trey Ford is still hurt. Uh, Kai Loxley looks like he's hurt. Uh, You are down to uh, Taylor Cornelius, who unfortunately has a problem with throwing to people that don't have the same jersey as him, unfortunately, lots of times. So... Edmonton's got to really still look for a uh, for a quarterback, and uh, we touched on a little bit earlier. There's a nice one in Montreal that might maybe want to uh, be a starter somewhere. It's funny because uh, last week Andrew from the Turf District was on the show, and he said that sometimes Taylor Cornelius throws the poorly timed interceptions, and it just turned out that Trevor Harris was the one that uh, threw a poorly timed interception last week. So it kind of evened out in that Montreal-Edmonton game. Taylor Cornelius went 19 of 31 for 230 yards, a touchdown and an interception. So in the second half, towards the end of the game, Cornelius made some plays, but Montreal's not Winnipeg. <laughs> Zach Caleros is not equal to Trevor Harris. I mean, let's face it. 
Zacharias has that time. And let's face it, I always consider him the biggest game manager of all the game manager quarterbacks, just because he's so great at getting the ball out and still getting that 10 yards when he needs it. He doesn't well, care if it takes him two downs. As long as he gets 10 yards, he's happy. Well, this year, the way he extends plays, he does that little, I'll just call it the candy cane, where he runs straight back, does the loop around, and then the defensive lineman's looking like a fool, and all of a sudden, your second and 17 is first and 10 again. They just, (laughs) he extends the plays and makes the plays that they need to, and that's what makes Winnipeg so good. It might be the understatement of the year, but the Bombers are 6-0, the Elks last in the West at two and four, which would be good enough for being tied in the first in the East. But <laughs> that's where we are in the 2022 CFL season. <laughs> I don't know what else you could say there. Now, this last game of the week, we don't know if it's going to happen. So here's the thing. The, the Riders, while at this time, were listed at five-point favorites over the Argos, over under at 47, and I think now, at time of recording, we are at 10 players in COVID protocol for the Riders. Now, if they can't practice Thursday, the day that this show comes out, that is the, the barometer that they'll go with. No Thursday practice, no game. That's what it appears like to me, then at least they would have the one full practice and uh, a walkthrough on Friday before the game. If the game doesn't happen, uh, Mike Mitchell sending out uh, this this tweet. He's uh, with CFL News Hub and some other uh, organizations as well. He says, if the game is postponed, maybe the Argos play in Saskatchewan week 15. Week 15 is a Toronto bye The Elks-Riders Week 15 game could be pushed to Week 16 because Edmonton and Saskatchewan both have buys in Week 16. So if that's the way that they go, stadium availability, it sounds like less of a train wreck than the Edmonton Elks last year with the three games in seven days or whatever. But there is a very real possibility that this game doesn't happen. If it does happen, man... Maybe the Riders will just treat this one as a preseason game and let her go. Uh, Duke Williams has been suspended. Uh, Shaq Richards of the Argos has been dished out the maximum fine. Uh, We saw before the game, touchdown Atlantic, Duke Williams threw the helmet at Shaq Richardson, which is, it's dangerous. It's unacceptable. Uh, Who knows what happened before the video clip, but... I mean, that, that's pretty tough to excuse, man. It's like throwing a cinder block at somebody, you know. You just, you just can't do that. And then later in the game, Shaq Richardson, you know, punched Duke. So I think some people maybe thought there was going to be a suspension there. But Max Fine for Richardson. And that game overall, another chippy one with a lot of extracurricular stuff going on. So that's... Two games in a row for the Riders. I mean, we talked Montreal discipline. It's not going well in Saskatchewan either. No. And, I mean, let's face it. This is costing the Rough Riders. It's Well, let's face it. They're 4-2, and two, so they've had some good luck at this. 
but it's going to start costing them games big time coming forward. When you play a Winnipeg Blue Bomber team and you give up 125 yards, pretty much say to the, them here, have the football, just run it in. I mean, Winnipeg might run it in, they might not. It's Winnipeg, but uh, more of a, what do you call, they're giving them an extra touchdown right off the bat. And that's not acceptable in the Canadian Football League anytime. And it's over silly penalties this year. It's not... Uh, we had to grab the guy because he was going to break open for a touchdown or uh, there's the holding call. I mean, that's a lazy play by an offensive lineman is what that ends up being. Uh, We see a lot of those this time when you get the holding call offs and the line gets upset or somebody starts getting pushed around. And those are the penalties that they've really got to cut out on the extracurriculars either before the game during the game or after the game have got to stop. You can't start shoving players after plays. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's dumb. And if the riders keep doing that, all they're going to ask for is a trip straight down to the basement of the CFL uh, very quickly. Let's face it. It's, it's not looking good for riders discipline wise, talent wise. They got all the talent they need, but they got to start disciplining or doing something with these players. A guy like Duke Williams is looked at as one of the key aspects of this team uh, for leadership to that younger receiving core like Noah Picton and like Sam Elias and all those guys. If you're not the leader and you're going and you're going before a game and taking a swing and a helmet at another receiver or another defensive back, that's absolutely unacceptable. I don't care what Shaq Richardson said to to Duke Williams. You can't do that, period. And there's the the spitting allegations, which, yeah. man, if somebody spits in your face. And look, they'll say that it hasn't been proven, but Sean Lemon said the same thing last, last year in the West Semi. I think Shaq said that it happened to him in a previous game in years past. Yeah, kind of where there's smoke, where there's fire a little bit when it comes to these things. And, of course, Craig Dickinson is going to, going to defend his guy. But if, if things keep going the way they are going, when does Craig Dickinson start to feel the heat? Uh, or is it already there? I mean, it's a great cup year. They finally got the first home win in uh, a playoff win in Mosaic Stadium. But there are expectations surrounding this team. I'm, I like to have continuity with the team. Look at Calgary. Look at Winnipeg. Both of those franchises experienced some pretty tough playoff losses and and things like that, too. But they stayed the course, and I think it's paid off for both franchises. What do you think about Saskatchewan when it comes to that? Well, you know what? I think right now uh, there's probably about 50% of the uh, crowd in Saskatchewan, and this is fans, that say, you know what? We're 4-2. and What are we talking about? Don't have to worry about nothing. We're 4-2. and Don't worry about it you can sweep things under the rug for only so long until they really start to heat up. And I think about half of the uh, rider fans as well are on the other side where they're saying, look, these penalties and this stuff has to stop or somebody's going to have to roll for this. And Craig Dickinson has tried to step out and talk a little bit and explain what, what's going on. And he's been on uh, call-in shows and he's been on some things in local media to try to alleviate some of this or take the pressure off them. Uh, in the end, it comes down to what pressure J- Craig Reynolds is feeling and what pressure Jeremy O'Day is feeling. If they don't feel the pressure and they are adamant that this guy is going to win us a great cup, 
I don't see anything happening to Chris, uh, Craig Dickinson, maybe in the off season, if he doesn't, if it doesn't make it to the expectations, which I think is great cup essentially for the riders. Uh, but I don't think anything right now is really on the pressure. I don't think it'll happen next year, but say they lose in the West semi or the West final or the crossover game. And then we go into next season and you know, it's, I don't know, two and two or one and three or something like that. Maybe, maybe the heat starts to come on a little bit. I think, I think it's more of if you have a, uh, if you have a step back this year. So yeah, you say crossover, that would be a step back for the Rough Riders. It would be. Yeah. And the other thing is in that crossover game, if you lose it because of a bonehead penalty from uh, Garrett Marino doing something stupid, the the heads are going to roll. Uh, that being said, if we take a step back and next year it's the same thing with the discipline issues, yeah, next year I could definitely see it. But in a Grey Cup year, I've never yeah. seen anybody go and drop a coach and then end up <laughs> winning a Grey Cup. It's, I don't think I've ever heard of that, to be honest, and I don't think I'm going to hear it this year. So I think they just the, Craig Dickinson needs to start sitting guys or doing something to get the message across. I don't know what it is. And maybe it doesn't even have to come from Craig Dickinson. Maybe it has to come from the guy that ends up writing the checks, Jeremy O'Day or Craig Reynolds. Uh, Another question for the writers. If the game happens, will Cody Fajardo play? Craig Dickinson said it is a 50-50 chance. And, man, watching touchdown Atlantic, it looked like he should have not been in there, taken out of that game. And, I've seen Dickinson get criticized, too. He said, if I took Cody Fajardo out, I'd have a fight on my hands. But you got to keep the guy healthy or, you know, save him for the stretch run. Ah, that, that incident with Sean Oakman, it felt, I don't know, it felt weird grabbing the quarterback by the leg. And if I remember correctly, the play was cha- challenged and no roughing the passer. But Fajardo... He's got knee issues, and it's just not getting better. And he's one of the toughest guys in the CFL, but even if he is 50%, don't you got to show some sort of confidence in your backup? And Two losses in a row against an Eastern opponent, that doesn't look good for the riders. But if Fajardo's that hurt, it, it, it seems silly to play him and throw him out there. Yeah, you got to do something with this. I mean, Cody Fajardo, let's face it, he came from being a backup, and he knows what happens when the backup goes in. If the backup gets real hot, he might just stick there. See Cody Fajardo with Zach Galeros. (laughs) I mean, Cody's got that in the back of his mind that I won this job because I was the backup at one time, and I don't want that backup going in if it's either Mason Fine or even if it's Jake Dolagala. If either one of them goes in, he's probably got that in the back of the mind. It's over for me. And he does, he loves being the starting quarterback. He loves the lifestyle. He loves the being the main guy and being the guy in the interviews and doing the whole thing. But at some point, you got to realize what's best for team. And if Cody Fajardo can't run, and I mean, let's face it, the last few games we've seen, he cannot move out of that backfield. That's a big part of his game. And he has a tendency of looking down one receiver a little bit. I've seen it a few times when you watch the home games in Saskatchewan. He'll look down a receiver, and after a little while, that guy all of a sudden gets almost or does get picked off. Uh, So the big thing, I think, with Cody Fajardo is don't 
think that this is the end because you've got an injury. Make it the opportunity. Make sure that, hey, you've got enough of a record, I think, right now to prove that you're still the number one guy. When you're 100%, you're going to get your opportunity to come back in and play this game. Uh, But I think what they need to do in Saskatchewan is convince Cody that, hey, sometimes having a backup is what we need. We need to have that backup in there. Let's face it, I I got nervous there a few times watching uh, Cody Vergaro try to run a third and one or half a yard. And I'm like, what are you? I know you're the best pusher in this team for that, but what are you doing with a bad knee? So to me, if the guy isn't 100%, he needs to probably sit a game. I I know Craig Dickinson says there'll be a fight on my hands. It's time to take the fight. You got to do what you got to do to keep this guy healthy. At least if Fajardo can't run or if they do have the backup in there, the Riders do have one of the best running back tandems in the Canadian Football League. As for Toronto, last week, I thought their defensive line had their best game of the season. They looked really good against the Ryder offensive line. And if this game does happen, they're going to have their hands full again with that Toronto defensive line. Shane Ray up the middle. I'm not, uh, he's on the end, but Sean Oakman up the middle. And then you've got Jagarit Davis coming over from Hamilton. They've got some real players on that defensive line and they're only going to get better as the season goes on. I, I, we're about a third into the season now, but I don't think we've seen that defensive lines last week was good, but they're going to have a few more performances like that as the season goes on. That's for sure. Absolutely. They've been a very strong uh, defensive line last week. I mean, when you get a two-man pressure and Cody Fajardo is in trouble and gets sacked. I know. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> that, that's, that's impressive. And, uh, I, don't, I don't care that Dan Clark isn't there for the Rough Riders. That's a very impressive play by any team to go with a two-man front and actually get the quarterback down. So, uh, yeah, Toronto, all the power to them on that defensive line. So, I think Toronto's offense needs to get some things figured out here, too. Now, Andrew Harris, they did have him going against Winnipeg in the game that probably should have at least went to overtime when they missed the uh, point after attempt after the touchdown. So... They got to get Harris going against Saskatchewan here. Now, the rider, that's easier said than done. 60.2 yards a game they're giving up on the ground. But as far as receivers go in Toronto, I don't think anybody's really stood out in that department yet. It doesn't look like they really have that number one reliable receiver yet. Curly Gittens has had opportunities, Tavares Daniels, Cam Phillips, Markeith Ambles. They're all in there, but they all seem equal. Is, is that good or bad? I don't know. But Brandon Banks, he's not the same player he was in Hamilton in 2019 and before. They need to get him going as well, or at least one receiver that can make defenses think twice when when that player is going, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think Cam Phillips have finally got a little bit going last yeah. week, but it always seems to be a rotation. I mean, Gittins Jr. had a good game the other game. You're right. Uh, it just seemed to be rotation and rotation for the Argonauts and which player is going to be hot tonight. But one guy that they really – and I, he was a big signing when the Argonauts brought him in from Hamilton is Brandon Banks. 
uh, has not had very much success at all yet in Toronto. And I don't know if that's chemistry between quarterback and receiver, if people are still double covering them or what the story is, but Brandon Banks has just been kind of an invisible sheet. I mean, the only time I really heard of him this year here was when he uh, had that play with Houston against the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And by the way, that was an incompletion. That wasn't a touchdown. Whoa. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get off of that one before I get a lot of love from uh, Toronto and Winnipeg fans. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the Brandon Banks thing, I mean, He's been, you can see that he's been clearly frustrated the whole time. He's been uh, just working, uh, he's been working hard, but he's been getting frustrated. I mean, the one game we've seen him yelling at his offensive line. You, you don't yell to the big men. That's one thing you never do. Uh, Especially when you're five foot seven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you only yell at him when you're wanting to take him to the buffet. I mean, that's the only time you yell at the, at the uh, offensive line to tell him anything. Then they'll be up on all for you. But nevertheless, um, yeah, no, Brandon Banks just needs to get uh, composed a little bit, I think, as well. Uh, and I think he'll be okay. But, yeah, he's got to get some chemistry and get moving there with the Toronto Argonauts. And you're right. get you got to have that one-star stud receiver that I don't think Toronto really has found quite yet. 28 targets, 13 catches for Brandon Banks. Less than half of his targets are being turned into catches. And, yeah, you know, a lot of times there's, you know, uh, tough defense or bad throws, things like that. And that doesn't immediately show up there. But you would like to see that ratio improved going forward for Brandon Banks and McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who is going to have his hands full with a loud crowd, a tough Rough Rider defense, and hopefully, if this game happens, fingers crossed, it might not, or it probably won't happen, that uh, cooler heads will prevail because it's been a few weeks in a row now where Saskatchewan has had more than a few incidents that uh, are making them the target of uh, CFL fans for eight other franchises. <laughs> I, I would rather like to hear absolutely nothing happened in this game and yeah. just hear that the Riders, well, of course I'm a Rider fan, so Riders win. But I mean, you know what, I'll just take a, Absolutely nothing happened in this game. There was no incidents whatsoever. And next week I can finally talk about some other team or something else that somebody else messed up on. (laughs) Uh, Cam Phillips has not practiced for the Argos this week. Royce Mechie uh, as well. There was a personal issue there. Cam Phillips was not injury related. But Darius Bladek on the offensive line, former rider, for the Toronto Argonauts has not practiced with an ankle issue. We saw him go down in touchdown Atlantic. The Riders haven't practiced at all. So <laughs> we'll see if if we do get a game on Saturday night in Regina. All right, Adam, uh, the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. I'm coming off a win against X's and Argos. You're coming uh, off a loss against Joe Pritchard from Rouge, White, and Blue. So this week, you've got uh, the Argos fan cast. Uh, I think that's Will. I've got Oz Davis from Rouge, White, and Blue. What's your lineup looking like? 
Well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, let's face it, I mean, me and Will are probably both looking to see if we need to pick some of our own team, but (laughs) at the moment, just because I have a funny feeling that game may not occur, uh, I've got Zach Kalaros as my quarterback. I mean, do I really need to explain Zach Kalaros right now? All he does is get 10 yards and then goes gets another 10 yards and rinse and repeat. So Zach Kalaros is on my team this week. James Butler has had a huge huge couple weeks against... uh, running uh, the ball. So I think that he's going to be ready and primed to go against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Walter Fletcher is actually on my team this week. I know that he's not the starter in Montreal, but hey, pretty much anybody can go anywhere. And I think Walter Fletcher will be fine. Uh, He's been having reasonably a good amount of touches with the football so far. Uh, Over for the next one, Drew Wolitarski is who I've got right now for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I wanted to afford somebody else. I don't got the money to afford somebody else because in our rules, we have to pick everybody. So anyways, uh, Drew Wolitarski is going to be on my list for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as will Dalton Schoen. Uh, He's not my $2,500 savior anymore, but you know what? For $4,182, I'll still throw him in the lineup. And the other one that I've got on my lineup, of course, is Keon Hatcher. Uh, picked him up for uh, for weekly for our own thing, uh, for our own pod. So I went and I picked him up as well. Uh, I think he's going to have another big game, especially until Brian Burnham comes back. He's going to be filling in a big hole there for them. And the BC Lions defense right now, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely going a lot of uh, blue and gold and orange and black this week. Uh, sorry, any Ryder fans out there? I'm going red and black. I don't know why. I really feel like I like Ottawa this week. So Caleb Evans, $8,194 in my quarterback spot. I've, uh, I haven't really spent on quarterback much this year. Maybe I should, especially, you know, a guy like Nathan Rourke or something like that. But Caleb Evans had two rushing touchdowns against Hamilton last week. He had a passing touchdown. I, I like the matchup against Montreal at home in Ottawa a little bit more than I like going into Hamilton. So Caleb Evans is going to be my guy. William Powell, he's less than $7,000. So I put him in there. Malik Irons of the Edmonton Elks. Hey, maybe he starts the game against Winnipeg. I threw him in there, and I'm a, I'm a fan of my receivers this week. I've matched up Jalen Acklin with Caleb Evans. Dalton Schoen uh, of the Bombers, Tim White of the Ticats, and uh, I've also got the Ottawa defense against the Montreal Alouettes. I got 32 bucks left over. Not much wiggle room at all. Uh, who are you picking to win the games? Uh, so far, I'm really debating on this one here. Uh, against Montreal and Ottawa, I'm going to go uh, Montreal. I know they're away. But I think that uh, Trevor Harris is going to have another pretty good game uh, so far this week. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, money – I don't know if we have to do over or under on the bets on this one. No, nah, uh, I just picked them straight up. Just picked the winners straight up. Oh, well, this is nice and easy then. Uh, Montreal, I'm going to go with. I think that they're probably going to win this one. BC, I mean, do I really have to explain myself <laughs> to the Lions? Uh, on the other side of the thing, though – I'm going to go something really strange. I picked a lot of bombers in my fantasy. I'm taking the Edmonton Elks to win this game. That's bold. Very bold. But here's my thing. Winnipeg has gotten 6-0 and cocky. And with that being said, or confident, I should say, 
Uh, that being said, I think that Edmonton there is going to want to go and take them down a peg. The game's in Edmonton. Um, I just really I don't know what it is, and uh, my colleague over on the CF Football Countdown is probably just screaming right now in his head, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to take the Edmonton Elks. And, and, it, and you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, the nurses and everybody trying to get the Saskatchewan Rough Riders ready to go for this. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Toronto Argonauts as well on uh, Saturday afternoon. The reason being is Saskatchewan hasn't had very much practice this week. And I mean, you got to have a little bit of practice or a little bit of time to see who's even able to be playing. I mean, they had a pile of injuries last week and I don't see this week being any exception. Yeah. Ottawa, BC, Winnipeg. And if the game happens, Toronto, there would be no Duke Williams. There would be, yeah, the one practice and who knows who would have to miss the game with, uh, with the illness as well. So it doesn't look good for the game happening, but if it does happen, it uh, doesn't look good for Saskatchewan. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Your Forest. It's a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get your podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's yourforestpodcast.com. All right, Adam of the Canadian Football Countdown. Hey, two days, uh, two, two shows a week. Where do we find your show? Well, my show is over at, uh, you can find us over on Twitter at CF Podca- uh, Pod Countdown. Uh, we do live shows actually on Monday nice. nights. Uh, usually my uh, colleagues are usually doing that one. That's uh, Trey Colbeck and uh, Mike Garrell, and of course the famous and great Ryan Coop. Uh, all of them are usually doing the preview or the uh, week recap show on the Monday, uh, talking about everything that happened and mostly about which Rough Rider is getting suspended this week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we don't talk about that every week. I hope. <laughs> Feels like it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you can find me usually there as well. Uh, Wednesday nights is my big night that I'm always there. Uh, we end up going and doing a live show as well. Um, usually it's at 9, a, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Uh, you can join us over there, comment, make fun of my hairdos, whatever you want to do. Usually I even throw in a few farming jokes. Uh, nice. And Rowan, by the way, we do talk about the week uh, to come over in the CFL as well. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. I actually believe that Brazilian Thai will be here on Monday to talk about the three or four games in week seven. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you on Monday on the Two and Out podcast. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.